Hey, welcome to Vine Church Fort Myers podcast. We are glad that you took time to listen. We pray that the message of grace empowers you today. Now today, I call my message, Grateful Hearts with Full Hands. And I want to disclose to you what a grateful person is and what a grateful family does. But for you to act out of this word that we're going to share right now, I really need the Holy Spirit to speak into your heart. And this definitely goes much beyond my English capacity, my speech skills, and your cheer it on for me. I need the Holy Spirit to move in your heart right now. Would you just yield to the Holy Spirit as we pray? Close your eyes where you are. Father, we pray in the name of the Lord Jesus. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you bring revelation this morning. Light into our darkness. Clarity where there is confusion. Let the sharp two-edged sword of your word come and divide, separate what is natural thinking to what is heavenly, biblical thinking. And let us yield to your word, to your truth. And as we cherish and we really allow this seed to be nourished inside of our hearts, I pray Holy Spirit for fruition. I pray Holy Spirit for practical attitude out of this word. Just move in this room. We yield to you in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. If you read your Bible, you probably already notice it is divided pretty much in two parts. One first part is called the Old Testament. We could call as well the Old Covenant. And most of the story there has to do with one specific people, the Israelites, the Hebrew people. And when you read the Old Testament, you understand that that people were under a religion, under a law system. They had a standard to have a relationship with God. Yes, they were free from Egypt, and they just had received the law at the bottom of Mount Sinai, but the people could not still enter in God's presence. They were just set free from Egypt, but they were very afraid. And the first time, it seems, that they are facing God as a nation It is in Exodus chapter 20. If you can go there with your Bibles or just follow with me here in the projection. Exodus chapter 20, verse 18. Now when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes and the lightning and the sound of trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled. And they stood far off. So try to imagine this image. 
of a mountain, you know, shouting with sounds and lightning coming out of it. Verse 19. And the people said to the leader, to Moses, the guy that had led them out of slavery, you, Moses, speak to us and we'll listen, but do not let God speak to us, lest we die. Now, that was not uh, written anywhere. They were just afraid, and they expected death instead of life. When they saw God's presence, they did not expect life coming to them. But they said, this almost nuclear powerful God will kill us. Verse 20, Moses said to the people, do not fear. For God has come to test you, that the fear of Him may be before you, that you may not sin. The people stood far off, while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. Now we have a redeemed people following a holy and jealous God. They know that God is powerful. But no one dares to come before his presence. So God, in the conversation with Moses, asked him, as you keep reading the book of Exodus, to build a tent in the midst of the camp of the Israelites. God said, I don't want the people coming to this mountain to meet me. I will go to them. Just build me a tent the same way that every family has a tent, I also want to have a tent among them. And pretty much half of the book of Exodus is the blueprint being described of how God wanted His tent. It was a very unique tent where God's presence will dwell, specifically over a golden box called the Ark of the Covenant, where His presence will be always there among His people. Exodus chapter 40, now we're almost at the end of the book, verse 34. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle, which is this tent. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting, because the clouds settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. It is sad, but this is the image of so many people. They have an image about God. They are even acquainted with some of the standards of God. They know that God is not an ordinary lower G God. He is the Holy One. He is the exclusive one. There is no one like him. But with, even though having an idea, an image of God, they have no relationship with him. They are at the verge of coming into God's presence. But they still don't enter in his presence, enjoy his presence. 
And sometimes, even in moments like we just had, when worship and praise and His presence is so tangible in the air, you could literally breathe in and feel the presence of God in this place. Come on, somebody. Anybody testify I'm saying here? And you are just counting how many burn bulbs we have over here. You're just like distracted. You're not there yet. As you keep reading the story of the Bible, we are now entering another book. It's called the book of Leviticus. And while the book of Exodus ends saying that Moses could not enter in God's presence, the next book in the Bible it starts like this, Leviticus chapter 1, verse 1. The Lord called Moses and he spoke to him from the tent of meeting. So it seems that Moses were, was able to get into God's presence. And what did God speak to Moses is key here. Because that pretty much translates the relationship of so many people, even today. And it was the reality of the relationship that the people of Israel had with God throughout the Old Testament. Leviticus chapter 1, verse 2. Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, When anyone of you brings an offering to the Lord. Say with me, brings... An offering to the Lord. You shall bring your offering of uh, livestock from the herd and from the flock. Verse 3. Uh, he shall bring it to the entrance of the tent of meeting that he may be accepted before the Lord. What God was saying here is that if you are my people, you don't come before me with empty hands. And you read this book, the book of Leviticus, it's a very uh, complex book in the sense of you receive all these instructions of what type of offerings or sacrifice will please God. Most of them included blood of animals. And there was all these sequences of ordinances and instructions about pretty much these five different types of offerings. In the whole book, you're going to find this over and over again. However, today, we have no ceremony ordinances for us to come before God. And it's still, there are so many people that think that that is the basis of our relationship with God. That I can that I should bring something from myself in order to be accepted, in order to have access, in order to talk to God. Romans chapter 5 verse 1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the perfect sacrifice. He is now what we bring before His presence. Verse 2, through Him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and 
we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So yes, the principle of coming before God with something in our hands still prevails. But it's not something from our own. It is the sacrifice that Jesus already performed and accomplished on the cross. We bring a blood of sacrifice, but not a blood of animals, not a sacrifice made of our own effort. We bring the perfect blood of the Lamb of God. That's why Hebrews chapter 10 Verse 19 says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that He opened for us through the curtain, that is, through His flesh, and since we have a great priest, over the house of God, listen carefully now, verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. So listen, before we have to have our actual hands full with a specific sacrifice, an offering, a blood sacrifice. Now, our Hands are not literal hands, but is the hands of faith that are also full, that are also with something. It is conviction, assurance, full trust with our hearts sprinkled and clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. What that even means. It means that you are not like the people of Israel anymore. We don't need to come before God trembling, afraid that in His presence I will find judgment, condemnation. I'm not coming before God afraid that you're going to just point out my mistakes, my shortcomings. I'm not afraid of His lighting and thunder as a consuming fire that will destroy me. When I come before God's presence, I don't find death. I find life. And not any kind of life is overflowing life. I'm just paraphrasing what Jesus says, the abundant life. is the overflowing life. And you say, Pastor, but I know my mistakes. My conscience... Remind me, reminds me of my shortcomings. I know what I said to my wife. I know my stumbling with my children. I know that this week wasn't my best performance. But that's why you don't come before God's presence with empty hands. You still need your hands full. But now with full assurance of faith in the blood of Jesus. When we pray in the name of Jesus, you are saying, God, I'm not here because I deserve, because I have any merit in myself, because I had performed all the ordinances and all the ritualistic ceremonial aspects of my Christian life. I'm here solely 
sustained, supported, founded, assured that the blood of Jesus is still enough to make me accepted before your presence. And this is not something that should be complicated for you. It is when you say, I pray in the name of Jesus. You say, Jesus, I know and I believe and I trust that what you shouted on the cross is still truth. It is finished. It is accomplished. We can come with boldness, not with fear, expecting death, judgment. I come with boldness before the throne of grace and mercy. And I find before God's presence grace for a time of need. Now, what I'm insisting here is that there is no need for any type of sacrifice, offering. I'll say there is no need of money, donations, acts of goodwill in order to access God's presence. It is all a matter of faith and trust in Jesus. So, you will not find from this pulpit any type of bargain mindset preaching that if you bring your offering, if you do this specific sacrifice, you will be more loved. You have a special access in God's presence. Because... This is what the new covenant is all about. To give us free access before God's presence. And we should use that and never take it for granted. And with the revelation that is all by the blood, I should cry the blood of Jesus over my family, over my life, every single day. Because it is the power of the blood. That makes us blessed, favored. It is the power of the blood of Jesus that creates in me an expectation and an assurance that the next year will be the year of overflow. Now with all that said, why should you care about financial generosity? If what I just said is true, why are we even caring to be grateful givers. Why should we even talk about this in church at least once a year? By the way, you don't talk about money in this church every time. But at least once a year we stop and we think about generosity. We, we, we speak about this. So if, if the, the, the ground of my relationship with God is His grace, it is the finished work of the cross... Why should I even care about generosity? 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. Now notice that I'm reading a verse that is not in the Old Testament. When people had to actually bring something, a physical gift. Sometimes, in their case, financial expression in order to relate to God. We are reading a New Testament verse 
verse, chapter 9, verse 6, that says, The point is this. I love to read this verse because it's just like straightforward. We're not, you know, beating around the bush. This is the point. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you. So that having all sufficiency in all things at all times. You may abound in every good work. Verse 9. As it is written. He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way. Say amen. I'll say this again. You will be enriched in every way. Amen. That's the will of God for us. To be generous in every way. We are the true Israel of God. We are the Abraham's children. We are enriched in every way. Blessed in every way. For be a blessing. Call to be a blessing. Which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service, verse 12, is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgiving to God. So here, here is the point. We give because we want to give. We don't give because we have to. Because we are under a fear, unhealthy, pressure, under the throat kind of relationship with God. We give because we want to give. There is a new nature within us. That leads us to be a generous people. There is an aspect of bringing God an expression of thanksgiving that is directly related to our relationship with God. And because I have received, because I have access, because I am redeemed, because I am already justified... I was made righteous, therefore, I will express my gratitude. That's why we are called to be 
gratitude givers. This is who we are. So while in the Old Testament, coming before God with full hands was the only way to build a relationship with God, in the New Covenant, I have a relationship with God by the blood of Jesus, and now I have full hands of thanksgiving. I want to give. So we should never relate to God with the bargain mentality. And I know this is very hard for some of you guys. Because depending on the background you came, there was a condition for love in your family. Which is a very uh, contradictory definition here. Love is supposed to have no condition, right? But maybe you came from a, a family that in order to be accepted, loved, known, you had to fulfill specific chores, duties. And that created a, a mindset that you inevitably project in your relationship with God. And I know you may think that God is like this, but I'm here to affirm your Heavenly Father does not only love you in a pure sense of the word love, but God is love. Amen. He is love. Amen. And because He is love, 1 John chapter 4, 16, so we have come to know and to believe. I like to change the word belief to trust. We have to come to know and to trust the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love, abides in God. And God abides in him. Why should I care about generosity? It's because this is our essence now. This is the, your new nature leads you, prompts you to be generous, to be outgiver, to always find opportunities to bless. Now, if you don't get this right, in the middle of this financial campaign we are, as a church, we are contributing together. Uh, to have the sound system, uh, we just bought it. Um, and again, making the church moving to the next season in overflow, in abundance, with provision enough for us to have more pastors, to have more ministries with more excellency. Remember, God is always the initiator of the relationship. He is the founder. He is the source for what we're talking about here. Look at what it says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 19. We love because He first loved us. That, that's the sequence. It is out of His love that I am empowered to really love. So for me, and I don't mean to offend anyone, 
for a Christian couple, the concept of divorce, when one of the spouses states to me, Pastor, I don't love her anymore. Pastor, I have no love feelings for him anymore. I'm speaking on a Christian couple. I'm talking to those that were first loved. It, I, I can't understand that, that conversation to me. I, I really, it is, it's almost saying that, Pastor, you know, that squares are red and circles are 75 degrees. What? Like, they are variables that are not necessarily connecting, compatible. Are you guys trying to understand what I'm saying? Like, you are saying you were first loved because you are born again, because you have access to God's grace. You enter His presence by the blood of Jesus. You are redeemed, saved, righteous, and you say you don't have enough love. How, how you don't have enough love? Like, it's... They are statements that are not compatible. And I don't want to, again, produce any condemnation. I'm here to remind who you are. And as we are generous, gratitude givers, we, we can love as well because we were first loved. The source is always Him. God is always the initiator. The source of our lives. James chapter 1 verse 16. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift, every perfect gift is from above. If we give anything, it's because we first received something. Say amen, everybody. Coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. 18. Of His own will, He brought us forth by the word of truth, so that we should be a kind of first fruits of His creatures. We are from His very nature. We are created after His likeness. Not everybody in the world, I mean you. You, my brother and sister, Psalm 96, verse 7, ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples, ascribe to the Lord glory and His strength, ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Bring an offering and come into His courts. So there is still the principle of sacrifice in the New Testament, don't listen me wrong here, don't take me wrong, but the sacrifice is not to obtain God's favor, love, or grace. I, I give, I understand the principle of sowing and reaping. I give because it is part of my nature, but also I understand that love Many times implies in price to be paid. 
Think about it. A student have to sacrifice leisure time for the sake of better grades. Athletes have to have a sacrificial diet and invest hours in repetitive exercises to achieve goal, success. A church of overcomers will have to fight the good fight, run the race, and finish. And in the end, keep the faith. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. I have fought the good fight, have finished the race, I have kept the faith. And Paul says, henceforth, I have a crown waiting for me. So, the idea of sacrifice now is not related to our relationship with God, but it has to do with reaching a higher favor, a higher position. We give up. Things of a smaller value to reach what has superior value. And we do not renounce things that are costless, that has no meaning for us. That will not even be a sacrifice in the sense of sacrifice. But now again, in Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1. And this is not in the Old Testament. This is in the time of grace. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great cloud of witnesses, people that sacrificed, people that sacrificed sometimes their own lives, they sacrificed their everything. They are our Example, they are the forerunners. Let us also lay aside every weight and sin. In other words, things that are of small value. The immediate temporary pleasures of sin, that thrill and excitement of that useless gadget that you know will endure max two, three months of excitement. It's not worth compared to the greater value the Lord is promising us. Are we really putting aside every weight and sin which clings so closely? And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Verse 2. How we do it? How can I endure to the end? How can I keep this generous heart? How can I keep this loving heart? Enduring to the very end. Verse 2. Looking to Jesus. Don't forget. He is the founder and perfecter of our faith. Say amen everybody. Jesus is the, he is the source you need. Who for the joy that was set before him. Jesus measured the value of the joy of seeing people save, restore, redeem, set free. And the enduring the shame of the cross. The suffering of death. And he measured and he made a choice. This is of greater value. The sacrifice is worth. 
And the Bible is telling us to consider that example. Now, in the New Testament, in the time of grace, when I make my choice to be a generous giver, I am measuring very well what is worth. I'm making a conscious decision. It is worth making this contribution, helping out, being part of this giving moment. And I know there is a reward for those that has enduring perseverance. Despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So your priorities are revealed by what you are ready to sacrifice for. So ask yourself, what are you willing to sacrifice for? There are people that put their own lives at risk in order to find, how many seconds is a TikTok video? 15 seconds. <clears throat> there are people, professionals, lawyers, doctors, that put their own career at the stake of a silly dance in TikTok just to find, you know, followers or, you know, likes or whatever it is in social media. They, they expose themselves into weird, silly stuff because they are after that. They, they really make fame or I don't know if, you know, Facebook or social media is actual fame. This craving for followers, a highest priority. And they, and they expose themselves. Say, man, they really want that. Some people, I, I don't know if you, you know, know people that does that. But I, I know people that invested years in studying. And now they want to put themselves at that, you know, weird, shameful position because they want the fame more than anything else. This shows what they really love and care. Others are on the other side. They put in everything. They run over whoever needed to reach out the top of their career mountain. Family, marriage, children. Doesn't matter who it is. They're going to, this all going to be just means for me to reach the top. This shows what they are willing to sacrifice. I came from an athlete family and uh, athletes sacrifice so many. And that's why it is a constant illustration, it's a constant image that the, you read in the New Testament. Because they, they see the, golden, the gold medal, they see the, the success uh, as they are highest priority so it is worth the sacrifice but as a church we are committed to the expansion of the house of God the expansion of God's kingdom we want to reach out southwest Florida and beyond making overcoming disciples who make disciples through life groups that multiply this is our vision and passion and love is manifested by what you are ready to sacrifice. Love and sacrifice always walk together. You can't say there is real love 
without selfless sacrifice. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 7. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Let me finish. I have three principles to finish. Wow, the time was fast. Let's go. So every time we mention the matter of finances in the church, people start to wonder if that is from God. Because we are in the new covenant. And I know we are in the middle of financial challenge right now as a church. But how can you know if this challenge of being generous comes from the Lord? Because only grateful people give. Only grateful people give. The devil has no interest whatsoever in the advancement of the kingdom of God. The lack in the local church means fewer people being saved, fewer people being restored and delivered, less families being got get together. Also, your flesh is totally selfish. So again, the desire for sharing and giving can only come from your new nature. It is part of who you are now. Generosity glorifies God. It multiplies thanksgiving to God. We just read these in uh, 2 Corinthians. And in the context we were reading in Exodus, uh, we see this moment. That the people were challenged to build a sanctuary for God. God wanted to dwell in their midst. Exodus chapter 25 verse 8. God wants to be among His people. And materialism is against God's nature. It is not in, in, in God's culture. You guys know this story. Of the guy that was driving his super luxurious car. He lost the way and hit a pole, destroyed the car. The guy barely was able to get out of the car. He started to scream out, my Mercedes, my Mercedes. An old wise man saw the car and the man said, really? You're caring for the car? You should care for your left arm. You just lost it. So he looked to his left arm. He noticed, my Rolex, where's my Rolex? That's what materialism causes. It's just like you, you lost a sense of what is important. Three principles. Only free people can give. When God was challenging the people of Israel to build a tabernacle, God says in verse 36, uh, verse 2. Speak to the people of Israel, 25 verse 2. From every man whose heart, whose heart moves him, you shall receive the contribution for me. If you have no move in your heart, don't give. Number two, we don't give to Moses. We give to the Lord. We are the most 
benefited ones. The beneficiary, the ones that receive the benefits is ourselves, are ourselves. But ultimately, we're not giving to the church, we're not giving to the pastor, we're not giving to the institution. We're giving to the Lord. Number three, we're challenged to give in proportion to our income. 